0: I want to talk about uh, friendship, connection, and community. The reason that came up for me is I was talking to someone yesterday, a friend of mine, who is a, he's an Episcopal canon, and we were talking about how everything changed in the pandemic, how his services are now online, and how these classes are now online, and and the difference it is in how the community has shifted. Um, we have people from all over. Like right now, we have people from the other side of the country in this class. And um, sometimes there's a, people from Europe come to morning meditation. So there's that shift in community. And what that means, you're no longer bound by geography. And he, he said that he really enjoys it in a certain way because he can see people's faces on the Zoom screen when he couldn't see those close-ups and see people when he was preaching from a pulpit in a church because they're all out there. And so he has a, a, a sense of intimacy in um, in this realm that not everybody feels. Um, I I'm very comfortable with Zoom and I've experienced some really lovely bonding with groups I've been in. So I, I think it can go either way. So um, it got me thinking about connection. It got me thinking about community. And so I thought I wanted to look into that. And and, and friendship is part of that for me, and I, the Buddha, there are a number of suttas where the Buddha talks about friendship. It's really important. In fact, there's that very famous sutta where Ananda is talking to the Buddha, and Ananda says, um, what does he say? Uh, he says, um, it's, you know, Friendship, companionship, and camaraderie are half of the holy life and Buddha says, no, 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 they're a hundred they're all of the Buddha, they're all of the holy life. Friendship and camaraderie and companionship are all of that are all of the of the holy life. So this this community, this connection is the Buddha pointed to it saying, no, this spiritual connection is really important, the spiritual friendship. And he said, Um, When a monk, and I'm going to say when anyone, has admirable people as friends, companions and comrades, he can be expected to develop and pursue the Noble Eightfold Path. So when you're in a community of, of, um, of wise friends, you are supported in this path of awakening. So that's incredibly important. There's another sutta. Where it talks about friends are, um, your friends should be consummate in faith, virtue, generosity, and wisdom. And these qualities faith, um, conviction, virtue, generosity, wisdom they're all qualities that are found in lots of lists. They're in the Paramis, they're in, not all of them, but they individually, they're in multiple lists. They're in um, Seven Factors of Awakening. Um, they're part of the Eightfold Path. So this, this quality of friendship is the is pointing to. Your friends should be, the word wholesome, your friends should be um, e- good people. Not necessarily that they're on this path, because I have lots of friends who don't practice, who don't study Buddhist teachings, but they're really good, upright Um, um, generous, wise people who live with integrity that I'm happy to be in connection and communion with. Um, And then there's another sutta, because like I said, there's a ton of these suttas that talks about um, friends that are not so good for you. And which friends are these? These are um, friends who are uh, the friend who is all take. I love that. The friend who is all take. Do you ever have a friend who just is like, you're always giving, you're you're always giving, you're always giving, and you're not getting anything in return? Um, Yeah, Buddha says, not so good. Um, The friend of empty words, the friend full of flattery, and the reckless friend. These four are not friends. The wise understand this and keep them at a distance as they would a dangerous path. So really pay attention to the people you have in your life. You know, it, it, that fits in so much with watching, you know, wise companions are necessary. Um, uh, but who are you hanging out with? Who are you hanging out with? Because we're influenced by our, by our peers. We're influenced by the people we hang out with. So making sure you're cultivating relationships, close relationships. I mean, we work, we go through the world, and we can't help the people we come into contact with. But the people we hold close, we have to really make sure that they have um, integrity and virtue and um, generosity, all these qualities that we are striving to get to through this practice. So the Buddha then says, now pay attention for these good-hearted friends, the helper, the friend who endures in good times and bad, you know, not a fair weather friend, but somebody who's there for you and the shit's hitting the fan. Um, the mentor and the compassionate friend. And this is a really interesting sutta. This is the Sigalavada Avada Sutta. Um, and he says, uh, of course, there's here's the four friends. And you can tell which these friends are by all these other characteristics under each of them, because it's all about a lot of lists. So the helper is. Um, Protects you when you're vulnerable, um, is a refuge when you're afraid, and um, offers you more than you ask for. Is there for you? The enduring friend is tells you secrets and keeps your secrets. That's really important. So it's it's so. In, I think it's so interesting that the Buddha really delineated these things that we we need to look for in friends. Um, this, this uh, enduring friend doesn't abandon you in misfortune. He doesn't say, later, you're a loser. And, and it says, and even dies for you. That, I don't know about that, but that's, that's a nice thing to think about or to think would happen. Um, the mentor is someone who restrains you from wrongdoing, guides you towards good actions, tells you what you ought to know, and shows you the path to uh, awakening. Um, So that's somebody who's wise and who's walked this path before. And And I think I've said it countless times that we can't do this alone. We cannot do this practice alone. We need to have other people reflecting back to us. We may be able to share our wisdom with someone else, but sometimes we're so caught up in our own delusion that we need to have those people offering their wisdom to us, which is why to ha- it's important to have these spiritual friends. Um, and then the last one he talks about is the compassionate friend who is, does not rejoice in your misfortune, no schadenfreude for them. They delight in your good fortune. So that's you know that's, um, that's the, the Brahma Viharas right there, compassion and mudita, and prevents others from speaking ill of you and encourages others to who praise your good qualities. So somebody who supports you—it's um, such a lovely thing to think of—to have a friend like that. I—I I don't know if one person embodies all of that. That might be far-fetched, but it could be. We could be. I, I have some friends who—who I um, trust—who uh, I trust, um, who I trust uh, uh, deeply and would feel comfortable going to them um, uh, if I was brave enough to go to them. I think it's sometimes the people are willing, but we're not. So, But having those people in our lives is incredibly important. Um, They talk about, um, you may have heard the term Kalyanamita, which is spiritual friendships where you find people who nurture you. We talked about that in the sutta, but... You know a lot of different, um, like Spirit Rock and IMS back east, and a lot of meditation centers, Fosters, Kalyana Mita groups, where which are groups of people who come together with the intention of um, um, studying the studying the um, studying the sutras or the teachings or just you know cultivating a community that is safe and wise and has your back I think has your back is a really important way to look at this and so it's not that you have to have a bunch of these people because I think it would be impossible to have a bunch of these really quality friends but to have a couple of quality friends I have a lot of people in my life I know a lot of people many of whom are just acquaintances. But there are some who I would feel comfortable calling at three o'clock in the morning when, when, when crap was happening, well shit was hitting the fan so to speak. And so if you can have a couple of those, one or two of those, it's really it's really helpful that they can inspire you and you can learn from them and, and you can inspire them and learn from and they can learn from you. It's that it's that um, it's that uh, relationship of equals. Uh, nobody's better than anybody else, and you're all stumbling through this world together. So I think friendship is a really important um, um, idea. I don't know if it's an idea, but it's really important to reflect on uh, people you have in your life. In fact, I was talking to a friend of mine recently, and we were talking about, actually I was having this conversation with a couple of people about, Looking at relationships and letting go of those that don't serve anymore. There are people in your life, and it's like, now why am I still carrying this one? Why am I still in this relationship? Why? And sometimes there's no answer. Sometimes there is an answer. And so it's like, okay, because of X, Y, and Z. But other times it's like, I don't need this in my life. And you can let go of things that don't serve anymore. People who, um, what was the line who are always taking and that you don't get from? Or I was talking to a friend who she realized that she was the one who always initiated the contact. She was the one who always made the phone calls. The other person never called her. And it's like, okay, that's that's neither bad. It's like no judgment, but it's like, you know what, this doesn't serve me. So to recognize that and be willing to let go of what doesn't serve. And I think this piece, though, so friendship I was, I, was, I was sitting with this all day and trying to try and see how these all fit together, but I think you the idea of friendship is really important. And it's really important as I as as I move into this next speech, which is connection. Um, uh, it's important. Connection is incredibly important. Connection is one of those things that's vital as human beings. It's really a vital thing for us to have. In fact, um, I found a, an article by a scientist, Matthew Lieberman, who wrote about connection, and he said, our need to connect is as fundamental as our need for food and water. And he says that studies of mammals in, um, from the smallest rodents up to through humans are profoundly shaped by their social environment and that we suffer greatly when our social bonds are threatened or severed. So having friends and people we can count on really supports connection because if we have friends then we have a connection somewhere. Like I said, it doesn't have to be multiple connections but there's some kind of connection that's really um, that's that's so important because as I said, we don't do this alone we cannot do this alone. Um, and mindfulness supports this 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 sense of connection because we can, Um, um, well, when we're disconnected, it's so often because we're caught up in self, we're caught up in emotions of like fear. Um, I like to say that disconnection is a form of dukkha. It's a form of suffering. When we cut ourselves off from others, it's, um, it's, it's, it's painful. When we put up walls and barriers, and you see this so much right now, there's so much disconnection. A, from the pandemic, but B, before the pandemic, with our political disconnection, we're so, you know, we cut off from so people. It's it's so easy to to just throw people away because we've dehumanized people. We've uh, made turned them into caricatures, into stereotypes. And that's very easy to be dismissive of others. That's where that's the root of of, of of discrimination and racism and all kinds of oppression is when you other the the when you other the other and and, and um dehumanize them. It's easy to disconnect, but this is so painful. And we Sometimes human beings have a difficult time connecting if we have um, a history of, of 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 not being safe or not being um, uh, taken care of as we're growing up. If we're if we've experienced trauma, it's it's really easy to disconnect because it feels a lot safer. So. Part of this practice of mindfulness is as a healing and a and a really a willingness to sit with the discomfort and see where we're stuck and see where we have um, um, severed ourselves. Um, I you know I talk about the undefended heart because we do put up so many defenses around ourselves and that's a place of disconnection. That's a place that what Tara Brock calls this severed sense of belonging. Our sense of belonging just doesn't exist. It's all, We're all cut off from it. And so we have to um, recognize that connection is important and perhaps, A, using mindfulness to see where we have disconnected, where we have put up these barriers, where we have gotten lost in self um, and other that, that's, that's, that's a version right there, um, and to be willing to let go of those walls and maybe seek out spiritual friends, seek out people who we can connect with. So that's where wise friendship and the definition of wise friendship is so helpful. Because we can look at people who are perhaps on the same path or moving in the same direction who have these qualities that really are uh, important. I mean, it's so easy to get into this place of self, um, especially in our country, which is rugged individualism all over the place. Um, I ever, ever since I did this retreat in June, which was a home retreat, of course, because there was nothing happening in any centers, I spent each morning I would, I would have my breakfast and I would just, it would just be quiet and I'd reflect on where the food came from. I mean, I could probably do that at every meal, but I don't because I'm like, so I set the morning aside and I do it every morning reflecting that. You know, I go to the farmers market, so I know who the grew. I actually know who grew this orange, but I have no idea where my bread came from. I mean, it came in a bag from the store, but that's all I know. Um, and so, to reflect that, I would die if I were left to my own devices. If it was all me, I couldn't do this. I, I, I couldn't go anywhere because I can't walk. I can walk, but I'm not going to walk. 40 miles to see a friend for dinner, you know, those types of things. I mean, I can't build an internet to see you all, none of whom are near me. Maybe, Holly, we could walk to see each other because we're not that far apart. But it would take a while. It would take a couple hours you know, to walk 15 miles. So um, I the recognition of our interconnectedness is so important, but we're so disconnected from our awareness of interconnectedness. And, you know, even the Buddhist teaching on dependent origination, nothing happens in a vacuum. This this happens because of this. This happens because of this. So to recognize that interconnectedness is so important. Um, So to, to make a concerted effort to say, I am a part of a whole, I am a part of something bigger than me, and maybe, you know, be willing to have that friendship, be willing to to um, define what that means, and make an effort towards cultivating it, which brings me to this last piece, which is community, you know. Um, Ruth King has a quote where she says, "Cultivate a culture of care. To cultivate a culture of care is to be in relationship with humanity with a wise heart. That's community. A culture of care, you know, and and being in relationship with you with being in relationship with humanity with a wise heart. This is this community." Um, and so it's about being in, in, intentional in creating our community. There's the, you've heard the term beloved community, which Martin Luther King used a lot. And Larry King, excuse me, Larry Yang wrote a book called Awakening Together, the spiritual practice of inclusivity and in community, which is a really excellent, excellent book. Um, and he talks about that intentional. Uh, he talks about, um, The idea of beloved community was developed by Josiah Royce, a philosopher of the early 20th century and expanded on by um, Martin Luther King. Beloved communities are envisioned as those that embody the values of love and justice in every aspect of their being, even when circumstances are difficult or oppressive. A beloved community assumes that all our lives are interrelated, there's the connection, and the social nature of our humanity is not secondary to any other aspect of life. That's the, the, the friendship is the whole of our life. So that social aspect is not any, any, is not secondary. As Dr. King reminds us over and over again, we are tied together in the single garment of destiny, caught in an inescapable network of mutuality. So this community this this recognition of our our friends, this connectedness, this community, it all ties together in a really healthy, beneficial way. And to have the idea of of um, I love because I love the Buddhist teachings, the I, the underpinnings of the Eightfold Path, and this. This, this path of integrity and this path of wisdom and this path of compassion is so important and not doing harm, and and I say that because you can have communities with supportive friends, um, who connect with each other, but are not not um, grounded in integrity. I mean, what comes to mind for me. Is people who are disconnected, who are not, um, uh, uh, who can be, who are disconnected, can fall into communities that serve a purpose of community and connection, but are not necessarily w- good. Like I'm thinking, incel, you know, and and gangs and um, white nationalists. Those those types of groups support this sense of connection and the friends may be loving and caring and supportive of you because you are part of them I mean that there's this brotherhood this this fellowhood of people who are marching together with these same ideas and they support each other and in how they go about it but they are caught in delusion and they are caught in greed they are caught in hatred it's not wise so this this intentional beloved community is driven by the ideals of social justice and and, um, and equality uh, yeah I, I, I know it's in here. Um, yeah, so it's it's about social, it's about equality and social justice and non-harming, and I don't think the, the Buddhist teachings are at odds uh, in any way, shape, or form, and in fact, they're really wise and supported. And so, um, all three of these these pieces the friendship, the connection, and the community have to have these underpinnings of wisdom. And um, uh, non harming and compassion and kindness and equality and not othering. You know, Larry talks specifically in here about the creation of beloved community that takes into account our social conditioning. You know, the, 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 uh, the, the social conditioning of supremacy and misogyny and homophobia and all those things and see how those have impacted us, because we have to name it. Um, if it's not named and it's not brought forward in an explicit way, it's easy for it to fall to the wayside. I'm, I'm on, uh, working on a, on a task force in a, an organization I'm in of equity and inclusion, making sure that the the principles of equity and the principles of inclusion and diversity are forefront because it's so easy to, to just let them fall by the wayside if you're not naming it keeping it front and center and naming it is so impersonal so important excuse me um, and it's and it's important for all communities the business community the personal community the spiritual community the spiritual communities are really, I mean, there's some awful stuff that goes on in spiritual communities because they don't have this stuff at the forefront. There's In Buddhism, the monks and the bhikkhus and bhikkhunis have the vinaya, you know, these these rules of behavior. And there's like 212 for monks and over 300 for um, um, nuns, which I think is the... um, Sexism has crept into the Vinaya. Um, because this was not written down until after the Buddha. So um, there you go. Uh, but I, I love these things. It's like somebody does something, so then that's the, you make a rule against it. Somebody does something, so you make another rule against it. But that's how these things grow. But it's so that they can live together in harmony without causing harm. So um, anyway... Um, And when you have a community that lives in a way that is um, wise, compassionate, has integrity, doesn't cause harm, you can take refuge in it. And that's, you know, one of the the, trip, the 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 pieces of the triple gen: taking refuge in the sangha, taking refuge in the community. Traditionally, meaning the sangha, the community of of monks and nuns, but now being broader and including the, the, the community of practitioners, you want to be able to feel safe in this community where you are really being vulnerable. Um, you're being vulnerable on a one-on-one basis. You're perhaps sometimes being vulnerable in a group because spiritual practice is about tearing away those walls and letting what's inside come out. Letting yourself be touched in a way that perhaps you haven't been before. So it's important to have this safe space. And so these pieces of wise friendship, connection, and 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 beloved community are incredibly important for um, creating that and for, for moving along towards awakening. So I think I don't have anything else to say about that.